So this morning, I want to I want to uh, talk to you uh, about um, now. So when we get to this passage of scripture, and we go through what we're going to hone in on, so there's going to be a tendency uh, for you to think as we get to this passage of scripture that that doesn't imply to me. You know, I'm, that's you know that's good to ask someone else, or 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 it can be such a familiar verse that uh, you just kind of pass it by. But uh, I want you to be open to the Holy Spirit. I love we saying, search me, O God, right? Search me and know my heart today. None of us has God all totally figured out yet, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, or life for that matter. So it's, it's an ongoing journey, an ongoing process. So uh, I want you to understand this morning about what it means to have a tender heart toward the Spirit of God. Uh, so the Spirit of God can work in, in our midst. And so if you turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, that's the end of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter 28, uh, verse number... 11, verse number 11. Because you know the story of Paul. He's been on a journey. He wanted to get to Jerusalem in time for Pentecost. And the only thing he knew was that the Lord told him there'd be, there's going to be tough times, <laughs> Paul, uh, in Jerusalem. And a lot, of, uh, a lot of the friends along the way, as he was sharing that, tried to encourage him not to go. And even, even in fact, they prayed. That he, that he would hear that God didn't want him to go because they loved him. And uh, one time he said, oh, you're breaking my heart. I, you know, this is, this is what God is calling me to do. So he gets to Jerusalem, and without going into all the details, a lot of crazy things happen, and uh, they want to kill him, uh, the Jewish leaders, and they even have a plot to do that. And there's a, a story about 40 guys who have fasted, and will fast uh, until, we have, until we find him dead. I mean, it's just... You know, things that you wouldn't think you would see with the people of God, but that's what was going on. So, uh, so anyways, Paul appeals the decision and ends up going to Rome. And that took a while because they got shipwrecked because they were going out when it shouldn't be going out because the winter was coming and, and they got caught up in a nor'easter. We know what that's like, right? So, uh, so, now, so now Paul is finally, finally, they finally landed in Italy and they're making their journey to Rome. And there's a whole lot of stuff there, and, and it would take like a month of Sundays to kind of go through all that. Some very powerful things. But we're looking at verse 11 of Acts chapter 28. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered on the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse, uh, not Syracuse, New York. Uh, we put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there we set sail and arrived at Regium. Uh, the next day the south wind came up, and on the following day we reached Puteoli, and there we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them. And then so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. Now, without going into details, the three taverns was not a very good place to be. Uh, as you can imagine, when people would kind of get off the ship, they would hang out there, and it was, 
it was just not a very pleasant place to be. So I don't know if the brothers came because they were concerned about Paul, or uh, but that's not, a, you know, when, when you're going to meet someone, hey, let's meet at the three taverns. That would be a great place to meet. You just don't usually do that. You know, you're just in and out, you know. So it's interesting there. But nothing to do with my message this morning, but I thought I'd throw that in there. Um, and so at the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Now, the word for encouraged there is the word that's used really for confidence. It's not like a word that, you know, you're encouraged, you feel better. It's a very strong word, and it means that when Paul saw them, he uh, received confidence. He, he had confidence, which is an interesting thing. People don't think sometimes that Paul had need of someone that would give him confidence. Because Paul, you know, type A personality, lodging in charge, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I don't need anyone, but that's not the case, right? And then when you read some of Paul's letters in prison, he always says about your prayers and your help and things of that nature. So, so when Paul saw these men, he was encouraged. He had, he had confidence. Because I think he needed some confidence to go to the uh, to end up in Rome and to appeal, make his appeal to Caesar. So who, let me ask you this question. Who are the people in your life that when you see them, they just instill confidence in you? They're, they're encouragers, they're Barnabases, but they're more than just encouragers. They just, when, when you're with them, you just feel more confident. Not uh, You feel stronger. You feel like uh, you feel in, encouraged that you can keep going uh, through a difficult situation. And usually that happens, right? So when we're going through a difficult time, you know, we're, we're asking God to help us. And then someone or a couple of someones uh, just, you know, they just come into our life or they've been in our life, but they just know what to say. Sometimes they don't have to say anything, right? So the, when Paul saw these three brothers at the three taverns, uh, he was greatly encouraged just by seeing them. So who are the people in your life that bring great encouragement? So my encouragement to you is to one, thank God for them, and two, just send them a note or a text or an email or even stop by and, hey, you know what? Let's have a cup of coffee. You bring, I just want you to know you are an encourager to me because it could be that they need that kind of encouraging too, right? It's good for us to encourage one another. Amen? So who are the encouragers in your life? That's not my message either, but that's, I just wanted to, I wanted to I'll get to my message sometime this week. But um, So we, we got to Rome. Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guide him. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, my brothers, Although I've done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, objected I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I have any charge to, being, uh, to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with the chains. And they replied, which was amazing, we have, not, we have not received letters from Judea concerning you, and some of the brothers who have come from there has reported or none has reported or said anything bad about you. 
But we want to hear what your views are, for we know the people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening, Paul, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Now remember, Paul was well-versed in the law and the prophets, right? I mean, he had a lot of knowledge. He was considered the Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, he was head of his class in when he went through those, all his education and training. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. Paul and his statements, right? It's <laughs> just... The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet. Now he's going to quote Isaiah in a little different way than how it appears in Isaiah. But basically the same. When he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will ever be hearing but never understanding. You will ever be seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts in turn, and I would heal them. And therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. And some Manuscripts uh, pick up on that and say, and they argued even more about that. Uh, the word that uh, is used there for callous, I want to open that word up a little bit because sometimes we think that that's why I want to hone in on that part right there. Their hearts were callous. Their hearts were hardened. Uh, uh, the word uh, that's used there is is a word that means um, means uh, thickened or uh, Fat. Um, figuratively, it means to have an insensitive heart. It's no longer having a tender heart. Uh, in the English uh, Standard Version, uh, this is what Paul says, The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. That's the word that, that translation uses, is dull. And that's a little closer to this. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. So, I, so the question that... Um, as I was going through this uh, a few weeks ago, my reading program was in the book of Acts. And uh, I, I asked, I wrote down here in my journal, so how, how does one's heart grow dull? How does one's heart grow I didn't even use the word callous because I hear the word callous and I was, well, that's not my heart. You know, uh, how does one's heart be not tender? anymore and it's an interesting question and so see so as i say this you know we're you know we're like i do as i ask myself that question well, i 
I have a tender heart. You know, my, my heart's not grown dull. My heart's not grown callous and so on and so forth. If we had time this morning, we could go back to uh, when Paul was still in Jerusalem and was with Felix. And Felix wanted to hear about that. And Paul started talking about faith and, and justice and righteousness. And Felix was convicted. <laughs> and he said, he stopped Paul. He says, you know what? I don't, I don't need to hear any anymore. When it's convenient for me, I will find another time to call you. So, uh, so, so, I, so I began to think, and that's a whole different message, but uh, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, you know, um, do we ever think that it's just it's not convenient? <laughs> it's just, this is not convenient. And, and to be honest with you, there are times when the Holy Spirit does speak to our hearts, and our first, our first response is, yeah, this is just not the right time. This is, you know, it's just not, you know, you're asking me, Lord, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Has that ever happened to you? You know, it's just not, it's just not convenient. Now, there are times when the Lord speaks and it's very convenient, right? We're, you know, we're in the, you know, we're in the move, in the flow or whatever. And this, oh yeah, yeah, this is, and then there are times when the Holy Spirit and the word more is conviction. When the Holy Spirit speaks and, wait a minute, time out. So I just, I just, I just want you to consider with me. As I ask this question of myself, how is it, how is it that our hearts can become dull? The Jewish leaders, the ones that Paul was talking to, as Paul was talking about the Old Testament, so it's, let me put it this way, it's easy for us to say, what's wrong with those Jewish leaders? Why didn't they get it? Because we have the vantage point of the Old Testament the New Testament, we're on the other side of Pentecost, so we have all this experience. So we would just, you know, in our minds, we would say, how could they miss that? What's up about that? How in the world could they miss that? All the training, all the teaching, all their understanding, the years of tradition, and they just missed it. How could they miss it? Because their hearts were dull. And, and I think sometimes... We can miss things because our hearts can become dull and hardened and callous, not tender. So I started thinking, so how does one's heart become dull? Well, I have like, well, I have some things to consider with us together. Uh, one, weariness. Anybody weary? <laughs> Anybody tired? Even my weariness is weary. Right? So you come to service on a Sunday morning. It's probably the first time you sat down in a quietness sort of for like a whole week. And, um, you know, you're weary. And so what happens? You're, well, I won't say what happens, but you're weary. Or it could be we're discouraged. Right? Sometimes we can be so discouraged that we just don't hear. Our hearts become dull. We don't. We don't hear the voice of the Spirit because we're just... Now, I'm not saying these are wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying these are some signs that can show us how, that our hearts can be dull. Because we all get discouraged, right? Amen? I get discouraged. You get discouraged. All God's children get discouraged. I get weary. You get weary. All God's children get weary. Yeah, so it's not like, you know, we're super saints. And I mean, these things, this is real. This is real, huh? I'm just preaching life, right? So this is real. We get weary. We get this. Well, you get, did you get discouraged this week? 
Um, sometimes our hearts can grow dull when we try to go it alone. I'm good. I, you know, I'm just going to go it alone. I'm not going to share with anyone. You know, I'm going to, you know, buck up, buttercup, and just going to, you know. Uh, another another way that our hearts can grow dull, we can be, and I'm going to quote you two, the the group you two here. We can be stuck in a moment, <laughs> and we can't get out of it. We could be stuck in a situation that happened. We can be stuck in an experience. We can be stuck in a decision. And it seems like it's just... So this is kind of what happened with these Jewish leaders. They were stuck. They were stuck in their tradition. Even though their tradition talked about the Messiah. And when the Messiah comes and they had all these... Uh, unrealistic expectations and the Messiah is going to come. He's going to beat up those Romans. He's going to come with an army and we're going to be large and in charge. And they completely missed it. It's amazing that Simeon, uh, when he saw the baby Jesus, recognized that that was the Messiah because you just don't think Messiahs are babies, right? They were stuck. They were stuck in their traditionalism. And we can be that way too, right? Uh, here's another one. This one, this one will probably really hit home. Um, our hearts can become dull because we lack critical thinking. We live in such a social. So, all right. I so I live in Boston. So I see the political ads for New Hampshire. So if you look at political ads, you will see that uh, there'll be words that are. Big, I'm, I'm not saying about anyone, but there'll be words that are big. There'll be, um, there'll be pictures. Uh, the color is different, right? Uh, the opponent is vilified. Uh, there's uh, things that are, are quoted out of context. And so it, it's, just, uh, it's just a very difficult, difficult words, images, color scheme, out of context. And, and if you are on Facebook or Twitter a lot, uh, it's, I'm telling you, it's amazing how easy it is, it will be, to not be a critical thinker. Social, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just saying that's the reality of social media today. We can, we can get caught up in, in so many things. So let me just, if, if you, so this, this is not a judgment statement. Um, I really don't mean it to be that way. We have to be careful that we, and I'm not saying social media is bad, I'm not saying don't get on Facebook, I'm not saying don't get on Twitter, or uh, you probably don't do TikTok, but uh, you, you know, don't get on all these things. Um, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we need to be careful that the time that we spend in that is not more than the time we spend in the Word. Because the Word is where truth is, Right? Uh, now, I'm not saying those ads and that Twitter and that there's no, I'm not saying there's no truth there. I mean, there's some things that you can discover that you never thought of before. Um, yeah, I'm going to not think of, I mean, there was something uh, I, I saw the other day and, and I thought, oh, I never knew that. So I began to dig in deeper and it was, it was amazing. But um, so a lack of critical thinking, a lack of critical thinking can make our heart become dull. And callous. It's easy to get caught up. Now, I'm not saying you're doing that. It's easy to get, I mean, I'm just talking about me. 
I can be so caught up in the emotion of, of that kind of stuff. And before I know it, I'm, I'm almost an hour trying to read these things and, and I'm getting agitated and that takes some more blood pressure of medication. And, and so, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? It's just easy. I'm just, I'm just saying. Here's another one, which might be related to what I just said. We can get a, we, our hearts can become dull when we become defensive. You never become defensive, do you? <laughs> Maybe you did when I was talking about political ads, but that's not my candidate. We can become defensive. It's easy to do. We're human, right? So we have these human emotions. Let's just talk about it, right? Uh, we can become defensive. And so when, we're be- when we become defensive, it's hard to hear the truth in, in what might be shared to us. We could become defensive. I'll, I'll find a good one. Uh, busyness. Busyness. We become so busy. It's different than weariness. I mean, busyness can lead to weariness, but busyness can be, we can be so busy. So busy. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be busy. I mean, we have busy lives. You probably have responsibilities and situations that it just, you're just so busy. And, and so, you know, what happens when we become busy, we begin to neglect some of the things that like spending time in the word, spending time in prayer, you know, finding people that will encourage us. And so we can be so busy, our hearts can become dull, callous. I mean, we can barely hear. This is what Paul says. You can barely hear with your ears. Um, another one is going through the motions. You know, we, if you've been doing this walk for a long time, sometimes it's easy just to go through the motions. Um, another one is what I call the plank speck syndrome. You know, when Jesus talking on the Sermon on the Mount, he talks to about, he talks about judgment and he says, uh, you know, how can you, how can you get the speck out of your brother's eyes when there's this big honking two by four in front of your, in front of your own eyes? I mean, as the people were here, they're, they're, they're saying, oh, Jesus, you're killing us. Stop it. It's so funny because, you know, he talked about some of those things. And, you know, if, if, you're, if your child asks you for bread, are you going to give him a stone? And everybody goes, oh, yeah, yeah. That's... So, so Jesus says about this, you know, you want to you know, look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you have this big two, well, he didn't say two by four, but you have a plank in your own eye. And I think Jesus might have picked up a big stick and kind of went like this and, you know, First, get the plank out of your eye, kind of thing. That's easy. It helps. I mean, bitterness and anger, that's another one. You know, you know what bitterness and anger can do in your life. Some of you have worked through that, I'm sure. Uh, listening, watching, or hanging around with the wrong people. <laughs> There's one time I had to, we were in a group and. Um, and I, we just kind of got off on some things, and and I, I actually had to leave. I mean, I I didn't go. I'm out of here. I mean, I actually had to leave because it was impacting me in a very negative way. And uh, I I just felt the spirit say to me, you know, you probably don't need to be a part of this right now. And um, and the I mean, these these were good people. They weren't bad people. It was just a conversation that I ended up in. I don't know even how I got there. Well, I know probably because, you know, I like to talk a lot. So it was easy for me to get in conversation. And then it turned. It was so I said, oh, yeah, I, I got to go. I'm tired, you know, kind of thing like that. And, and uh, I mean, I was tired, but I, it was. Um, 
It's interesting, uh, the word that Paul uses here for heal, as he quotes Isaiah. The word for heal that's used here is, is usually, generally, when this word is used, it's used of physical healing. But oftentimes, it's uh, used of healing of the spiritual as well. And this word draws attention to the Lord, the supernatural healer, and the elements of in the process of healing. There's a word in there, a part of that word is uh, where we get the word therapy from, which means a process of, of healing. So sometimes it's not like this, right? I'm, I'm trying to wake you up. Sometimes it's not like this. Sometimes there's a, there's a process. The word heal uh, really refers to uh, something that is supernatural. For this people's heart has become dull, insensitive, no longer tender. They can hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn which is another word, there's an action word right there, intentionality is one thing to think about it, but it's another thing to do it. In turn, and I would heal them. What a word, right? And, you know, and it's, it's the end, this is the end of the book of Acts, and, and it's easy to, to miss that because, you know, well, I know he's quoting from Isaiah, I know what that says, and I'm not like that, and... Um, so I just so in this process of discerning together as a congregation and as a board, I know you're not on. The, I know most of you aren't on the board, and but you're still part of this because you're praying for the board. And so in this journey, and I know um, you know we're in this transition. I just want to encourage you to have a heart that's tender to the Lord and tender to one another. Amen. Sometimes, if this is off, this gets off too, right? If we're not tender to the Lord, our tenderness to one another. And sometimes our tenderness to one another, if it's not where it should be, it impacts our tenderness to the Lord. Wouldn't it be nice if we weren't human, right? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, it's never have any problem, you know, always... The scripture verses, yep, we're there, we're there, we're there. We could write them because it's our life kind of thing. Uh, but the reality is, when, and, I, and, and I joke about it, but I am grateful that we're not machines because we can learn from each other and we can learn from the Lord. Amen? And, you know, I'm, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. You have a wonderful board. You have a wonderful congregation. Some of you have known for a long time. Um, and you could tell stories about me, so we won't go down that road. And some of you I haven't lo- known for a long time. But it's just so good to see you when we gather together. Because you are a wonderful people of God. And this is his church, right? I know it has Church of the Nazarene on it, but really it's his church. And we belong to him, amen? amen. And God's going to do a great work. He really is. He's doing a great work now. We don't have to wait till that happens He's doing a great work now. That, that Ragnar run 
that was here, uh, was it a week or two ago? I mean, I, I, when I met with the board, I saw all these porta potties out there, and I thought, well, I know I drive a long way, but I only need one, and they can go inside. I mean, I, at first I thought, this is, what a welcoming committee, right? And uh, that's, that's just amazing. That's just amazing. That was an amazing thing. What you do at the racetrack is amazing. What you do across the street, rise again, it's amazing. What you're doing in your Bible studies and, and your prayer times, it's just amazing. My brothers and sisters, God is at work in this place. Amen. The encouragement for us is let God be God. Let him do what he needs to do and let's have tender hearts that can hear him with our ears and see him with our eyes and understand him with our hearts and turn to him and he will bring the healing. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, um, we're so grateful today for your great love. Now, grateful for this congregation. We sang some incredible uh, music this morning, and I, I just keep coming back to that song from 1936 by J. Edwin R. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. What an incredible promise. So, Lord, we gathered this morning together, and we ask you that you would search our hearts and that you would help us hear if we can hardly hear. You would help us to see so our eyes aren't closed. You would help us to understand, which is another word. I didn't even unpack that this morning. But with our hearts that are tender toward you. And if we do that and turn to you, you'll bring healing. It may be physical, it may be spiritual, it may be emotional, it may be just we need to change our perspective. So Lord, may we have tender hearts to you and may we be people, when Paul saw those brothers who came to him at three taverns, the place you don't usually meet people, when Paul saw them, they he was encouraged and received great confidence because the journey ahead was going to be challenging. May we be that for one another. May we be people that meet one another at the three taverns and bring encouragement and bring confidence and bring strength. So, Lord, I commit this congregation to you and to your care. And I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will continue to do great and mighty things. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.